I saw something that I hadn't seen as effectively in over 15 years of teaching in a classroom. I saw 21st century learning take place. It was absolutely brilliant. It was mind boggling. It was great to see those students just mature in a lesson in ways that I hadn't seen before. The, the, the project management, the collaboration, the skilled communication, the creativity, the problem solving, the way they were collaborating together online, it was absolutely brilliant. And it lied on the premise that I was no longer at the center of their learning. You are listening to the EdTech Cubed podcast, conversations in transformation. We're really about digital transformation. Oh, I really like that. You never give answers. You elicit yeah. answers through questioning. Yeah. And you create the conditions for that to happen. But we, that's what I think this is all about. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Do you know what? Everything you're saying is really landing. I love that. And unconditional space. That sounds so free. It's not like conditional, like... We need to talk about a specific topic or in a specific way. I love that. Conversations and transformation. And that is 100% what we're all about. Welcome to the EdTech Cube podcast, Conversations and Transformation. I'm Julian. Hi, I'm Saqib. And this conversation is about Minecraft, transformation and lockdown. So Saqib, you've had personal experience of this. I know Minecraft and kids love playing it. But for education, where's the transformation in learning? In a nutshell, we have the Minecraft Education Edition. And in there, students have access to a coding tool, which they don't have on their standard Minecraft version of the game. Now, that coding tool allows them to engage in projects that involve coding using Java, using Python, or using block-based programming. So now it's possible for students to have an introduction to Python where they can manipulate the Minecraft environment to do things like building a block or a whole city that they couldn't do or take them a long time to do manually. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that in teaching computer science to uh, year eight students under lockdown, I noticed after a couple of weeks, they were getting a bit bored. They had the packs, they had their answers, and we were essentially you know, discussing PowerPoint slides uh, for the content they needed to learn. So I was looking at a more engaging way of uh, them learning uh, computer science. And uh, it was during this time I started experimenting with Minecraft. Although we were on the lockdown, everyone was able to join a Minecraft world. What I saw was then not just them having an introduction to a block-based programming and uh, Python, but 21st century learning skills taking place. Project management, decision-making, problem-solving, creativity, critical thinking, skilled communication, all of that I saw in front of my eyes. Uh, And these guys were collaborating, they were designing, before they actually went into the Minecraft world, uh, based on projects they had to do. So one of the projects they did, in fact, was to recreate the school building in Minecraft and then host a year eight assembly inside the school building, which was streamed to the whole of the year eights. Um, it was during this time then I got in touch with James Prothero, who's a Minecraft education global mentor and trainer, uh, also the assistant head teacher at Darren Park Primary School, to pick his brains about how he's using Minecraft with uh, primary school children. And we then extended the project to uh, a two-week summer school for the new year seven students in which they had an hour of coding each day in minecraft to introduce them to some basic python and this was delivered by a wonderful first year computer science student from the royal holloway tia nasa so really exciting projects has been absolutely a game changer so i felt it would be wonderful if we can get the two of them together and have a conversation around uh, Minecraft transformation under lockdown. Wow, that sounds like a powerful conversation about transformation. Let's listen to the podcast. 
Hi, I'm James Prothero. I'm assistant head teacher at Darren Park Primary School. I work for the local consortia in South Wales, supporting teachers with digital skills. Um, I've been using Minecraft in the classroom for about five years, and I'm a Minecraft global mentor and trainer. Uh, hi, I'm Tiana Sir. I'm a first year computer science student at Royal Holloway University of London. I recently devised and delivered a two-week workshop to uh, an incoming cohort of Key Stage 3 students and this mainly focused on using Minecraft education to introduce the fundamentals of Python programming. So James, if we begin with yourself, can you tell us about uh, your experience of using Minecraft and how it's uh, developed 21st century learning skills uh, in students? So, yeah, I've been using Minecraft in the classroom for the last five years. I'm a primary school teacher, so I've mainly used it with years five and six personally. But I've seen it being used across the spectrum with, with every different year group. And I guess what I see more than anything is how how versatile it is as a tool for supporting skills. The thing I love the most about it is, yes, Minecraft is a really engaging tool, but used in the correct way. It could be used to utilise, well, I guess, knowledge acquisition, the development of skills, but a way to apply those skills in, in a way, I guess, that's a real leveller for all students. Everybody seems to get something completely different out of Minecraft. But as an educator, I think, particularly with Minecraft Education Edition, as long as I've got an understanding of, of the basic features, so the teacher controls and those type of things, I don't need to worry so much about the actual ability of building. I could think about how I could use Minecraft to really facilitate unforgettable learning experiences. So so what would a typical lesson look like? And, and would it be subject focused? How would you design a Minecraft lesson? And what would the students be doing in it? So I guess with any tool, the most important thing to start with is the why. And I think I've seen Minecraft being used in really effective ways when it's sort of a really, um, I guess, part of that learning process. But what needs to come before is, you know, I guess, well, well, you know, as I said, starting with why Minecraft, why Minecraft rather than any other tool. So in terms of project-based learning, um, the the type of lessons that, that I encourage teachers to design, I guess, have sort of five parts to them. And the first part would be, I guess, the research gathering, the, the, the thinking about where's my information coming from and getting that together, then the planning, then the building, and I guess then sharing that information with others. So I've used it a lot in humanity subjects, so history and geography. Um, one example of this was a project that uh, our school did last year, which was called That's Entertainment. And within that project, learners thought about what leisure and entertainment was like in their local area, but in the past. So they started by going out into the community, asking questions, gathering their information like they normally would in a local history type project. Then they came back, they thought they made sense of that information. They thought, well, how am I going to use this? What does this tell me about the community? And then they planned a virtual museum within Minecraft Education Edition. So, you know, each of them created a focal point from the community's history. But then they use, so you've got the option within Minecraft Education Edition to add um, NPCs, so non-player characters with that game, which al almost let you link out to other things. So they'd created websites to share information and put those within their Minecraft world. So, you know, as that vehicle for sharing their, their knowledge, the knowledge that they, they acquired, um, it's perfect. And then actually then to invite other people in to sort of to, to share their learning. Um, so I found that's a really effective way. And I've used Minecraft to develop history skills um, in lots of different projects. Um, but again, that's just, that's just one example. I know we've also used Minecraft in the past for developing literacy skills um, so I guess if you think about creating a traditional book report um, well you know in as a normal activity we've really not hit it I guess every type of learner 
but I found by using Minecraft Education Edition as part of a literacy sort of lesson or series of lessons, getting children to focus on something like the setting, for example. Well, you know, they'd, they'd read the text like they normally would, but then instead of writing everything down to share their book review back, creating a setting within Minecraft and then creating a, a, a video walkthrough to actually describe what why they've included features of that setting. Again, it's a really, really powerful way. And I found, you know, children of lot with lots of different um, backgrounds, abilities, really accessing this in completely individual ways. So, you know, it's not a one size fits all model. Minecraft has something to to everyone has something to add to Minecraft and, and can get very different things from it. Super. And, you know, there, there is obviously a lot of evidence and uh, articles written about uh, what Minecraft can do to support uh, students with SEND uh, needs uh, from autism, uh, uh, etc. And uh, the uh, learning tools, uh, which I think are embedded in, in Minecraft. Uh, have you had experience with uh, SEND students and how it's made a, a difference to them? Definitely. And I think... Um, thinking about learners, I guess, um, with autism or sort of um, autistic traits, I found Minecraft as being a real tool, actually, for building relationships with students. Um, you know, lots of lots of learners use Minecraft in their own in their own time, and they've built really amazing creations. But I've really found using Minecraft with lots of our students. I guess, a breakthrough moment. So when they've created something, that discussion afterwards about why they've made certain decisions. Um, and I guess it is easier for some learners to express themselves through that Minecraft platform first and then talk about what they've done afterwards um, than just having that conversation, I guess, without that that initial sort of thinking. So learners with, with, um, with autism, I found it being... Um, really, really effective. Um, I guess learners with additional learning needs, I guess. So um, from a classroom practitioner, um, immersive reader, the inclusion of immersive reader within Minecraft Education Edition. If learners are using, if they have to access any text, I guess, through, through posters or boards or non-player characters within Minecraft, they can use the immersive reader tool that's built in now to get that text read aloud to them or to have the size of the text increased or to um, get that text translated into a different language. So those tools have been, as a teacher, so valuable in really making sure the, the learning experience fits the needs of, of all my learners. Fantastic. And and just moving on to Tia, uh, you've uh, obviously just delivered a two-week remote uh, online Microsoft uh, summer school uh, at Tohidal Boys and uh, for, for transitioning year six to year seven students. So can you tell us about that and um, uh, what your experience was in, uh, in, in delivering that? So to be honest, before a few weeks ago, I wasn't even aware that Minecraft Education Edition existed. Um, my knowledge of Minecraft was probably limited to playing it a few years ago um, with my brothers and it was just building random things. Um, but over the past few years, I've really become aware of how great using games and things like Minecraft is to education. Um, at A-level, I sort of created a project to use games to help with GCSE students. Um, so when I was presented with the opportunity, I sort of jumped to the chance of learning something new and being able to apply my knowledge of computer science and programming to help students and introduce them to it. Um, I did make use of the Minecraft education resources and looked at different activities that they suggested to introduce concepts like data types and variables and also sort of adapted what they'd used um, with block-based coding to introduce Python concepts which um, is really great um, you can easily convert from one language to another. I think 
one of the challenges that I faced was probably with the remote learning. At some times it sort of felt like I was teaching a class blindfolded. I didn't know what was going on on their screens and sometimes we faced technical challenges. Um, so I really had to make sure that my lesson plan was flexible and that it could constantly adapt to the challenges that I faced um, that would just occur on a daily basis. Uh, wow, that, that's that's really interesting. So, so, so you mentioned a couple of things there. One was being able to adapt the current resources provided by Microsoft from uh, being block-based to Python. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that something you had to design yourself or did you find... Uh, so, some similar material online. I mean, how, how was that for you? And and w- was it Python as you know it that you, you experienced in Minecraft, or was it a um, quote unquote watered down version? I did at times struggle to find Python specific resources that weren't uh, solely based on their own activities. So I wasn't really aware of the Minecraft specific. Python language that it required. Um, so as you mentioned, Minecraft sort of has built-in functions that you wouldn't necessarily have on a normal Python code editor. Uh, one that comes to mind is sort of the player.say function. It refers to controlling the Pyth- uh, the Minecraft character in particular. And as a programmer, that's something I've never come across. And so it did require a lot of behind the scenes learning on my part to familiarize myself with uh, what I was teaching them. And to some extent, they knew a bit more than me. Some of them had been playing around with the code in between lessons and would come to me at the lesson and say, oh, you could do this instead. Um, So it was very much that I was learning alongside them at the same time. That's that's really, really interesting. Um, So so this was your first teaching experience with a group of students you had never met face to face but you also said how you had to make sure your lesson plan was adaptive mm-hmm. uh, and uh, alluded to a uh, a student-led pedagogy is is that right where you're sort of learning with your students uh, sort of co-creating almost uh, the journey um, so, so what sort of pedagogical challenges did you face and how is it like teaching what sort of things did you learn and what advice would you have for teachers uh, new to Minecraft trying this out? Um, I think the main thing, in a way, well, at least with teaching in general, was patience. Um, I've never really taught to a younger group of students, at least at my sixth form when I was a digital innovator, it was always talking to students of a similar age or staff. So a lot of that was adapting perhaps the way I explained things to younger students who might not necessarily have any background with programming in particular. Um, A lot of it was taking time, not sort of rushing through things, which also took me one or two lessons to sort of understand, um, to slow down what I was doing. And to do this, I did change my sort of learning dynamic midway through um as you suggested I sort of flipped to a or a flipped learning dynamic I would create video tutorials beforehand um and I would display these to the students and share them uh, before lessons that they could familiarize themselves with the concepts beforehand uh and I sort of used half the lesson to play them the videos and then gave them time to work on it themselves and in that time they could go back replay the videos, pause where they needed to sort of get their head around certain concepts. And then afterwards they could come back to me with questions on certain topics that they didn't understand. Um, And I think that was something that really helped towards the end and it allowed them to work at their own pace rather than feeling rushed to do activities alongside me. Super. So was that the key reason for making that change? Was it uh, students being able to have experienced self-paced learning or, or was it um, a differentiation where you've got a mixed ability of students or were there IT issues? What, what specific issues led you to uh, adapting your uh, teaching style? I think the chief 
reason that I moved to that learning style was technical problems actually there are situations where I'd be demonstrating something and at the end of the demonstration they'd say to me miss I didn't see your screen the whole time or miss I couldn't hear you uh, problems with lagging so I thought that by adapting my the way I was teaching would prevent those and it did have unintended consequences and benefits in that as you said students with mixed abilities could work at their own pace some students were storming ahead and they were going through several video tutorials and at the same time I could talk to students who were a bit behind and struggling with concepts and answer their questions one by one and give them the time that they needed and that really helped and also it meant I could prepare prepare for lessons in advance and not rely on live demonstrations at the time. Super. And uh, just one of the tools I'm really interested in is the book and quill uh, tool. Um, how did you use that? What, what sort of advantages did that have uh, in terms of students evidencing their work? Yeah, so uh, I introduced the book and quill feature in my introductory lesson to the students. I obviously can't see what's going on on their screen, so I wanted a way to understand that they were following along with what I was teaching. So for those who are unaware, the book and quill allows you to take pictures of yourself or your Minecraft character in your own world. And then you can use the book to import those pictures and then export it as a PDF file, which I then encourage them to send me in as an assignment. Um, that helped me sort of grasp how they understood what I was teaching. Um, for example, I'd get them to destroy a tree and then take a picture of themselves in front of the tree. And for me as a teacher, I just interpreted them telling, sorry, I interpreted telling them to destroy a tree to simply mean, you know, destroying the trunk of the tree. But then when I was getting different responses, it was that some of them destroyed the leaves, some of them destroyed one block of the tree. So it highlighted to me that you have to be a bit more specific with instructions when you're teaching younger students um, and yeah that was also something that I became aware of as I got further into the teaching workshop. Super and so James do you use the book and quill uh, often and, and if so how, how how do you use it? Yeah I think the the book and quill from a teacher's point of view is a really important tool because if you've got, I guess, 30 students working on one world or within one world at one time, or indeed in different Minecraft worlds, it's really important to have an effective way of, of sharing back their learning with, with their teacher. So encouraging learners to use the, the camera tool when they are building within Minecraft. So what we always get encourage our learners to do is to, I guess, take photographs of their journey and write little captions on those photographs. Um, and then they're building up that process. So they use the book and quill, they put their pictures into the book and quill, and then they will annotate or, you know, write notes next to those. And at the end of it could be a lesson, it could be a series of lessons. Um, by getting them to share that learning back, by exporting that and sharing that back. Um, it's a really effective way for the teacher to actually, um, I guess, assess what they're doing um, and also a really effective way for them to share their learning with other students or, you know, um, or their parents or, or, or other people. So I think the, the inbuilt tools within Minecraft, such as the, you know, the camera, the portfolio, and the book and quill for a teacher are a real must and developing the understanding of, of those teaching tools is, is really important. And one of the things I want to ask is often, uh, probably based on how Minecraft is used as a game, uh, sometimes there's this idea with people that Minecraft is essentially uh, more suited to the younger years, um, so primary, key stage two, possibly year seven. Um, I've had the privilege this year of working with 
teachers across Wales from from nursery to uh, well to right through the secondary context um, because uh, we've we've done a project this year with with Welsh government to try and support teachers to use Minecraft in the classroom in lots of effective ways. And I've got to be honest, the the difference in learning activities that I've seen between schools has absolutely blown me away. The way secondary um, teachers have been using Minecraft, um, yes, in a traditional computer science way to be developing um, com- computational thinking, um, coding, those, those that deeper level thinking has been brilliant. But the way I've also seen, I guess, secondary history department combining with computer science departments and one project, again, that was done by um, an educator called Elvin Arnoil from North Wales, who is a computer science teacher, was they looked at a castle. So it was Harlech Castle. The learners went out and they visited that castle and um, they then came back and they developed their own algorithms to build that castle, but how it would look like in different periods in history. And, um, you know, from a, a secondary point of view, I was I was completely blown away because, you know, from a primary point of view, we might get our learners to build a castle within Minecraft and do that, that research, you know, and, and to build that manually. But to really get them to think about, well, you know, how can I use coding to 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 build a really complex design? And not only that, how can I use that to interpret what it would look like um, in medieval times or during the 17th century or you know so i've seen it being really used effectively in different ages and then yes with our younger learners um again but i think it's really really important to note that i might be a year four teacher in one school um but another year four teacher in the next town might be using it in a completely different way I think it's thinking about that learning experience and thinking about what it can what, what it can add. And I think what Tia said was really important that the learners often know a lot more about Minecraft than the teachers. And that's just normal. That's part of, I guess, something to embrace. We don't have to teach learners how to build, but you know, we can bring those curriculum areas, we can bring the the learning objectives to that to that experience and utilize learner skills in building to to make that experience a lot smoother i guess super and tia you've been obviously an outstanding student uh who's uh, studied the mta the microsoft technology associate in python uh while at uh, dod college as well as uh competing in uh the deutsche bank uh global 24-hour hackathon where your team the only fully female team she hacks uh, one uh, and then obviously subsequently have has gone on to now study computer science at the Royal Holloway so a model student there um, what sort of potential do you see in uh, Minecraft with uh, uh, the older years um, I think it should really be utilized more in the curriculum as a whole obviously computer science and a lot of STEM subjects are constantly changing and I think the curriculum should reflect this and virtual learning or e-learning in general should be used more because a lot of these students have grown up with technology around them and in some schools I, I don't think the curriculum reflects this I think they're very much sticking to traditional methods of teaching and the students I think are using technology to their full potential uh, so I think with Minecraft the great thing is that with younger students they can visualise what they're doing whereas if you're programming with a general code editor you don't necessarily see what's going on behind the scenes you give them the programming input and you get an output whether that's a number or a result but with Minecraft education they're telling the program to do something, for example, to build four blocks, and they can see with their own eyes that it's building the four blocks. And I think having that knowledge from a young age and to be able to understand that the computer is carrying out all of these things behind the scenes will then just give them this really great basic knowledge when they go into their GCSE programming 
and allow them to get their head around those things a lot more. From my own experience when I was revising for the uh, for the test, and I know it has changed since then, but it was very much being flung a lot of theory and you could take a lot of practice tests and the kind of student I was I'd keep doing those practice tests until I got 100% on all of them but I was taken aback when I took the exam because they test you with real life scenarios and I wasn't really prepared for those so in a way I think using Minecraft education allows students to explore all aspects of programming in a way that you're not just memorizing how to answer questions you can really try out different things see how changing one thing will affect your program I think it will really help in developing real life scenario sort of learning and thinking in the way that just supplying students with past papers or practice questions can't really do that um I, I I've really got to say how fortunate I am to be working um in a school in Wales because Welsh government has really embraced Minecraft uh, in the classroom and understood the fact that um, lots of teachers it's a completely new tool. So um you know three years ago they did a Minecraft pilot where they chose some schools to to demonstrate how they were going to use Minecraft in the classroom create projects and then created case studies which we use then um, to create uh, I guess a national approach for using Minecraft in the classroom and one of those things was they've made Minecraft uh, education edition free for all users and schools within Wales but then they've developed five Minecraft learning centres across Wales secondary con secondary and primary schools um, and Welsh medium schools as well, um, where they've created a two-day programme which starts at the very basics and thinking about, you know, um, as a beginner, how do I start to use Minecraft in the classroom? Then going into things like thinking about pedagogy, pedagogy, um, games-based learning, and then looking specifically at how it could develop certain subjects. So I think it's really important that, you know, um, Teachers embracing the technology has always been something that we've, we've sort of had to battle with. But giving the teacher the tool is one thing, but, you know, supporting them to be able to use that tool effectively, I think, has made a huge difference. And the feedback that we've had from the schools and the way we've seen students engaging with this tool to develop so many different skills across the curriculum has been really, to be fair, amazing, you know, and I think this year has been been a, a real sort of testament to, to all the work that's gone into that. Uh, and do you have any questions for Tia or anything uh, that she's mentioned uh, you would like to pick up on? Um, yeah, I guess what I was trying to pick up on was, was what Tia was saying about um, how schools need to embrace the fact that, you know, because innovation is is always something that's, that's quite difficult. So I guess that's what I was trying to say with, with our last the last comment that I just said. So j just uh, a couple of other questions um, from my end. Um, uh, so James, one for you. It's um, how to become a Minecraft global education mentor. Uh, what does that involve? Uh, and uh, you mentioned earlier that um, you might be doing a lesson in, in Minecraft with your year fours and somebody in the next town might be doing it completely differently. Um, is there a way of you both collaborating or sharing content or sharing ideas? And uh, what, what does the Minecraft Global Education Mentor role uh, uh, have to do with that? The Minecraft Global Mentor scheme is an amazing scheme, actually, for supporting um teachers to develop really effective ways of using Minecraft Education Edition across the world. Um, firstly, I'd say if anyone is interested in becoming a, a global mentor, they need to think about, you know, are they using Minecraft firstly with their, with their users um, and start using the community. So education.minecraft.net. Um, if you sign up to that community, you can unlock the community badge to begin with there are lots of different resources um lots of lesson plans lots of sample worlds lots of ideas for using minecraft um, with your learners 
Um, you know, so look, thinking about looking at what's there and then thinking about, okay, well, if I'm interested in becoming a global mentor, what can I offer? So do have I designed um, lessons or activities that I can share with other people? Um, can I use the, the community, I guess, to to um, support others through the, the Q&A section? Um, and, you know, thinking about if you've got something to offer, if you feel you're using Minecraft effectively with your learners, um, the most important thing is, can you share that with others? And how can you share that with others in a way that, that really continues this journey? Because, you know, I might have developed a lesson in history. Another teacher might have developed a really effective lesson in, in numeracy or literacy. Um, the, the, the education community gives us that opportunity to share. And I think my role, I see very much my role as a, a mentor, is helping people to think about, well, firstly and foremost, we are teachers. Um, having a bit of an understanding of Minecraft Education Edition is all you need to be designing these really effective lessons. And within the community, there are lots of resources to get trained. So um, I know that we've already spoken about the book and quill, the camera tool, the non-player character tool. There's lots of different help videos and guides within, within there that can really support teachers. So, so here's a question. Do you know how you have Skype lessons Yeah. Uh, where you can connect with another classroom or an expert uh, uh, teacher on the other side of the world? Yeah. Uh, can, what if you, I mean, we spoke about using Minecraft in a classroom or with a group of students Yeah. Um, uh, at a particular school. Have you tried um, or have you heard of a case where uh, students from different schools have managed to work collaboratively in, in the same world? Yes. Um, so particularly since lockdown and particularly because, we, you know, there's the there's been this big, um, well, this big conversation between um, synchronous and asynchronous learning. Uh, and to be honest, the way we've used Minecraft to sort of um, support learners, not just within our school, but within schools within the local authority um, has been quite interesting. So now within minecraft education edition you've always been able to collaborate in one world at one time within that classroom environment the way minecraft education edition has now been developed um, when you set up a collaborative world you can share a join code and it means that if i'm in one school I could share that code with students from a different school and they could all collaborate in that one area at one time. Now, this would have to be um, a live sort of scenario. One educator would need to load the world and host that world and then would physically need to share that join code with other learners. And, you know, as you mentioned, so learners from different schools could use this together. But also um, during lockdown, where learners have been, uh, where distance learning has been a really important consideration, it would mean that as a class teacher, I'm able to create a learning experience for my class. And those who can access the world at that time can do this join code. So that's been one way. The other way, I guess, now it's really important because thinking about access to equipment. Not every learner might have access to um, to join that world at that given time. And if I'm creating a hosting a live world, the teacher would need to be on that world with the learners. But a way around that would be we use assignments within teams. So once I've um, once the session has ended, we could export that world file place that within a class team or a team that a group of learners from different schools could access um, they could then download that world file and and access that and access that resource and then use the chat function within teams to sort of um, you know collaborate to discuss with each other ideas and that type of thing so that's what I find a really really powerful um, addition to minecraft the join code, but also the ability to use it with other tools such as Teams, such as Flipgrid. So we could be working together on a project, 
and I can be communicating remotely with well I guess with schools in the next town or indeed in school with schools in America or India or or anywhere so you know it, it really adds to that to that community experience and lets our learners have a voice sometimes on um certainly an international but you know a global scale as well oh so that's interesting I didn't know that so you you can have obviously the join code, but then if I don't know school uh, a group of students designed the school building, you can then export that uh, Minecraft world, uh, set it in a Teams assignment, allow all the other students in the school to access it, and individually then they can then add to that school building. Is that right? Yeah, they could. So um, if I was so if I was that teacher in school one. And I'd hosted that world and I'd shared that world and, you know, we'd sent it um, through Teams to an assignment and another class was going to pick that world up. Well, you know, the teacher could open that world back up. Their class could could add to it and then that could get sent back. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think that that's, for me, audience is a huge part of this. Um, is sometimes, you know, we've built this amazing project, um, but who's going to see it? So the fact that you can export that world file, share that with others, you know, we've even seen things like other learners adding signs and boards to, I guess, um, give feedback uh, and offer areas that could be improved within that world, you know? So um, it's really adding to that experience of, you know, rather than I'm just building something for my class, I can build this for um, another class. So on that point, I saw a really interesting project recently where two classes in two different countries designed their perfect learning learning environment, and they shared that with each other. They switched files. They shared that through through a team, um, and they were both able then to use. I think it was Flipgrid they used then to to share their thoughts about what each other had built. So the possibilities with it are endless. And I think starting with the why, and I know I, I always say this, but starting with the why is huge. How am I going to use that? What impact is it going to have? And how am I going to share that with other learners? Um, are really sort of key considerations when using Minecraft. One of the things I want to pick up on is the pedagogy of game-based learning from evidencing uh, uh, learning to measuring impact. So Tia, can you tell us, I mean, you've alluded to sort of pedagogy changes and curriculum being more adaptive to uh, the learning needs of students, uh, the millennials, uh, shall we say. So what, what has your experience been with game-based learning? And is it simply playing a game or, or is there more to it? From GCSE, I've always made use of game-based learning, especially with subjects where you're given set definitions that you need to learn. Um, the one that comes to mind is with French, you're given a set vocabulary and that's something that you need to learn and essentially memorise and understand. Uh, and I very much remember encouraging other students to make use of platforms like Quizlet. You could input your own uh, vocab list and then test yourself through the use of games. And that was something that inspired me to create my A-level computer science coursework on something similar. I think with games, it's something that with technology we've grown up with and it's something that keeps us engaged. And to some extent, it is addictive. For me, once you do one level, you want to keep learning more and more to the point where it doesn't feel like you're learning anymore. So, so just to pick up on that, James, is game-based learning simply a matter of making students more interested and engaged, uh, students who normally play games at home anyway? Is it, is it a question of that? Or is it because they're fundamentally learning 21st century skills like knowledge construction, collaboration, communication, uh, things alluded to in the 21 CLD uh, Microsoft uh, framework or... Uh, Michael Fullan's uh, deep learning uh, are they actually learning things which they wouldn't normally do uh, outside uh, a game-based learning scenario yeah I'm fascinated with the the research that's going on at the moment into into game-based learning um, 
particularly because I guess you know it is such a huge area. Then, uh, as as Tia said, I think it's amazing that um, learners are so used to playing computer games of different sort of you know you've got those more narrative led games where one level leads on to the next level or indeed minecraft which is i guess what we'd call a sandbox game so a complete blank canvas where learners are able to to create their own knowledge to to make sense of the world and i think the fact that you know we think about these these 21st century skills so the creative the creativity, the problem solving, the collaboration, the knowledge construction, these these things. Well, you know, within that sort of blank canvas that we've got within Minecraft, we've got um, a real, real scope for, for developing these skills. And I guess because learners are so used to, um, to using games such as Minecraft, being able to immerse them in that familiar environment, I guess, puts them at ease straight away. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard lots of conversations in the past, you know, some students might like this game, but not this game. But because Minecraft is a, a sandbox game and is completely a blank canvas, it's got so much to offer everybody. And we see learners who probably wouldn't consider themselves as, as gamers using Minecraft Education Edition um, in really effective, thoughtful ways um, that others, I guess, who might be more used to that gaming environment um, that we might not see. So I think it's huge. And I think there's, we, we do a lot of um, conversations between games-based learning and, I guess, um, gamification. So thinking about gamification, I guess, we're adding elements to something that was never designed to be a game that sort of adds, I guess, you know, rewards or that type of thing. But because within game of, games-based learning, particularly using something like Minecraft, um, the, the rewards, the benefits are very much inbuilt within the game. So all that learning takes place within that platform rather than outside of that platform, if that, if that makes sense. Tia has obviously delivered a Minecraft workshop online remotely over two weeks uh, to a group of transitioning year six, seven students. Um, can you tell us about uh, Minecraft and distance learning uh, under lockdown? And before lockdown, I'd used Minecraft, you know, within the classroom environment, and you know, I was completely convinced it's such an effective tool. And you know, I I've seen learners developing skills within the classroom in lots and lots of different ways. Since lockdown, my eyes have been opened even more. I think using so using those familiar tools. So with my class, we use Teams regularly, and I'll share assignments with my with my class. Um, I'll you know share news and and that type of thing. But using Teams in a way that I can introduce a project or a problem to my learners, and then get them to create if if it's a minecraft project create something within minecraft and share that back with me has been has been really really powerful um the fact i guess introducing the learning activity is crucial um so i've been able to use teams to create uh, little videos i've posted little videos of myself introducing the question and then having um i guess an open forum then so if if learners have got any questions if they need to know anything um further we've been able to use that to support them and i guess you know using the join code i is uh, i would say has been a game changer in terms of developing synchronous learning experiences with minecraft from a distance learning approach and then also using the export world feature within minecraft to to allow learners who who can't access at, at the same time as everybody else that opportunity to do that afterwards has been has been key and we, we did a project called amazing architecture which was i guess based on the television show grand designs so learners got to, to think about well the role of an architect what uh, you know what does that really entail um, then they researched their own buildings using their own, you know, guess their own resources. They brought that to the table and they developed their own building based on something that exists already. And I was so blown away with the type of things that, you know, with very minimal support from me, you know, they were building their own knowledge construction 
Um, for example, two learners decided that because it was this was back in in April, uh, with the rise of of COVID nineteen, they heard about field hospitals being built, and they'd looked at the Excel Centre in London and looked at how that was being used in um, it was planned to be used, and they developed in Minecraft their own. They called it the Phoenix Hospital. So it was a, a creation that they built based on based on the Excel Center. But then they put guides and they did a, a walkthrough about how and why it was going to u- be used. So for me, I guess it's very difficult to capture in just a conversation. But it was getting them to make sense of what was going on in the real world, build it within Minecraft, and then use Teams to share that back with me and describe their choices. So I've been blown away about how, with how learners have used Minecraft. Um, from a distance learning point of view during lockdown. And and just to clarify, uh, I mean, one of the issues Tia mentioned about the distance learning uh, workshop she ran was that she couldn't see the students' uh, screens as they were working. So if you set a class a project that they had obviously discussed uh, and the following lesson, you said go away in Minecraft and construct it uh, individually or through a sharing code. Um, obviously, if you share the code in the world, you can see what everyone's doing. But if it's individually, how do you know what they're actually doing uh, during that session? So by by using Teams with Minecraft, what I've done is I've said, uh, this is your your task. This is you know what, what I expect you to have achieved in this session. Um, if you can't join that world by using the join code, please export your portfolio or your book and quill and add it to the team. Or even... Um, write a post within the team just so we, we I can know and what I've what I've done to remind learners about that with the world that they've accessed I put little signs in as reminders please remember to share your learning and and that type of thing and I guess that's been really successful um you know realistically 100% of learners are not going to do that because you know we have also got to consider the fact to you know access to equipment and that type of thing but I found using signs, using boards within Minecraft as reminders to get learners to share it. Um, and I've had learners who haven't accessed it using Teams who've, who've emailed emailed the work or, or that type of thing. We've also started uh, introducing um, live calling as well, where learners have been able to, to talk, you know, to, to describe what they've been doing and that type of thing. But I guess those little pointers, those little reminders, um, to, and and making it easy, you know, making those channels easy and quite seamless to get learners to share back has has been an important thing to consider. So so just to play devil's advocate here, I, I but then I'm a new teacher. I've uh, just uh, launched Minecraft. I've shared the code with my students. They obviously know more about me. They will always know more about Minecraft than me. Uh, how am I going to manage behaviour online? What if they go off and start doing their own things? So I get that's a really important point. With When you set the world up within Minecraft Education Edition, firstly, in world setup, you can control what you want your, your learners to do. So you can turn off things like um, TNT or explosive or destructive items, for example. So, you know, you could sort of minimise that risk there. You can also, you also have the option to give your learners permissions when they enter the world. So if your learners were going to enter for um, doing a live lesson, they'd automatically enter as a member of that world. And a member of that world means they could break and they could place blocks uh, wherever they wanted. Now, I haven't had to do this very often, but what a teacher does also have the option of, of, um, of doing is setting their learners permission to that of a visitor. And a visitor within the Minecraft world um, can basically wander around that world. They can interact with things, um, but they wouldn't be able to break or place anything. So if you did find a learner was being disruptive, you know, that is something that you could you could do. Obviously, the other thing that you've got, and I think this is really important, if you are creating that live experience and you are hosting that world, the teacher would need to be on that world at the same time. So, you know, you can, within a classroom environment, you have access to something called classroom mode, 
where you can see exactly where all your learners are. You could, if someone is um, going off track, you can drag them back and you can, you can do that. Um, but what you do also have the option of doing as a teacher, if uh, you can see a learner has wandered off, um, what I often use is something called uh, border blocks. So if I want my, which again is uh, a teacher inbuilt control within Minecraft Education Edition, and I can actually control the area that I want my learners to work within. So I could place border blocks around the area that I want my learners to work in, and they can't wander off outside that area. So there are lots of things. And what I would really, really recommend learners, uh, so teachers to do is to you know familiarize yourselves with, on um, the Microsoft Educator community now, there are some new resources for learners, for teachers getting started with Minecraft to give them a, an outline of these different features. But I would really recommend taking some time to familiarize um, themselves with the teacher controls because that, I would say, for anybody getting started with Minecraft, that would be my recommendation for, I guess, the one of the first things they do before they start creating those live experiences. So, so what if you had this situation where students are off working, but all you, it's not a behavior issue, but you just want them to stop, pause, uh, because you uh, obviously have an announcement or something to make. So how, how can you get them just to stop and, and uh, look up or uh, just stop what they're doing? So the first thing I do, I, if I was presuming, so I can, um, that they were all listening, in the chat bar in Minecraft, I could type that instruction in, and then I'd probably give learners a few minutes to, I guess, finish or place the block they were doing or that type of thing. If there were then learners that uh, were still working, what I could do is I could teleport every learner to my location. Uh, you know, so everyone's there, and, you know, and I guess it's the same thing. I think, you know, classroom management, we all know our learners and we all know what works best with particular groups of learners. So I know I've got some classes that are one command, so one instruction within the chat bar, they'd all listen. I know there are some others um, that there might be one or two, but I guess teleporting all of them to my location um, means I'm not singling out learners either. You know, so it's, you know, quite a useful feature function within Minecraft. What about the pausing tool in in the um, classroom options? C can you just pause the world? Uh, that's something I found quite useful. Yeah. So when you've got, if you've got your learners working within that classroom at the same time as you, yeah, you can. So if you're using classroom app um, and you've got learners within that same um, environment, so I guess what I'm trying to say here is the classroom mode currently for distance learning doesn't give you the option of pause in the world. If you're doing it within that classroom environment, yes, you can pause all learners at one time. So again, as, as you say, you know, that's a really um, another, another effective way of, of stopping learners and just getting them to listen. How can Minecraft be improved? So if you had one or two points where you can, uh, you can suggest uh, for improvements to Minecraft Education Edition, what would they be and why? So I think in terms of using Minecraft education to specifically introduce programming and Python use uh, to students would be to give the option of using less Minecraft specific functions and Python concepts. I think that would be a great way to transition students who have familiarised themselves with Python programming within Python to then extend their learning further to using Python in more real-life situations. Uh, in terms of delivering a course as a teacher, in my last lesson, I opened up a multiplayer world and allowed students to essentially work in groups to build their own projects. And perhaps in my own opinion, I should have looked at different ways in which I could control the students if you like as James mentioned using the teleport feature and things like that uh, I guess in my opinion I, I found it hard to control what the students were doing uh, to guide them to well just to encourage them to be working on what we were working on 
some students were wandering off and doing their own thing and yeah I found that hard to control as a teacher but using the methods that James has mentioned earlier on I'm sure that would be something that would be less of an issue for those who'd familiarise themselves with what they could put in place to prevent that from happening. And James, if you could make some changes uh, to Minecraft Education Edition, what would they be and why? So I've been given this quite a lot of thought recently. Um, what I'd love to be able to do, and I'd love Minecraft to have the guest, the, the facility to do really easily would be if I've got learners and they've created their own worlds individually, it would be really lovely if there was, I guess, an easy way that they could um, clone or copy and paste what they've been doing and put that into a collaborative multiplayer world. I think, you know, in terms of working remotely uh, and learners who possibly weren't able to access things at the same time, that would be a lovely, a lovely, I guess, addition. The fact that, you know, uh, I could be working on a project at home. I could then, um, you know, copy it and place it into a more central world. I think that would be lovely. And that would be lovely, I guess, for whole school projects as well or um, projects within different regions. Um, yeah, I've been given that quite a lot of thought to be used as that leveler to facilitate all these experiences. But obviously, you know, teaching and learning and effective teaching and learning is at the very heart of everything. So, you know, I, I think that's, you know, an amazing, amazing story. Super, thank you. Tia, do you have any uh, reflections, thoughts or questions on that? Uh, yeah, just touching on what James has said, I think it's great to see how Minecraft is being introduced. It almost makes me want to have the same school experience that I know a lot of students are now able to have and the way in which technology is being integrated into the curriculum. I think it should be developed even more and to some extent I almost think lockdown was partly a, a blessing in disguise for the edtech community and that it's really highlighted its importance and how uh, more development should be made in encouraging e-learning and virtual learning into the curriculum. That's the end of this episode as we end on a comma until next time.